Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is Episode 8, Face-to-Face, Past, Present, and Future, Act 1, recorded April 4th, 2018, at the City College of New York. So damn tired of waiting on a perfect A plus B. The one size fits all prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for old people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 June. <laughs> June can mean a lot of things. It's hot summer weather starting to begin. The promise of July 4th. Hot, hot humidity. School is almost over in the Northeast. Yes. And in theater, we are closing one season and launching the next all happening. There's also Father's Day. And for many, this day is a lot of fun. For the last almost 10 years, it's been a bit of a challenging time. More recently, (laughs) um, I've noticed that it's not as hard as it once was, maybe in earlier years, following my father's passing. A lot of my um, memories are sort of wrapped up in a, in a lot of things that have to do with culture and arts. And I know I tend to talk about him a lot, but we were very close. He was a very special and somewhat challenging person. When I was growing up, he <laughs> used to say to me, and I've probably said this before, that you, Courtney, you get your love of theater from me. That's Kurt, Kurt Body. Um, and yeah, and for, for many years I used to think, yeah, 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 okay, whatever. But actually, this year, for the first time ever, it finally dawned on me that my dad, Kurt, Kurt Body, was an artist. A true artist. All his life he sang. He sang in his choir as a kid and in college. He was a tenor and he had this amazingly crystal clear voice. He was the cantor in our church, and I think he sang for more than 30 years. And he also played the guitar. Yeah, I really miss his voice. His singing voice, his speaking voice, and his ridiculously loud laugh, which I now have. And so I can thank him, I should thank him, for instilling in me the love of arts and theater music and more 
and his support in my life while sometimes feeling like a helicopter, it really was unparalleled. And the other thing that happened at least this year on Father's Day was that it was very apparent that we were in a, a very dark time in our history where the current administration felt like it had the right to separate children and babies, some as young as nine weeks old, from their parents at the border without explaining what's happening or that they can't see their kids. It's just unbelievable. I, I don't understand this mentality or how one could turn off their, their sense of morality to do to do something like this to another person, another human being. I, I just, I couldn't imagine actually being ripped away from my father as a toddler. <laughs> and after announcing, implementing, defending this policy and or denying this policy even existed, the White House signed an executive order to keep families together in detention centers there are still thousands of kids who need to be reunited with their parents. And there has been irreparable, 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 excuse me, damage and trauma perpetrated against these little ones. This is not who we should be period. I know that a lot of people are feeling um, low and down and sad and confused and angry and all of the different kinds of emotions and this podcast is not going to solve everything but I do think that it is a place where we can think about how the arts can be a part of healing in whatever way that means. I, I'm not 100% sure, but the arts are a place of hope. Uh, and I, I hope that for people who are listening to this, that they can see past the pain, see past the horror and the trauma for just a second to say how, not only how can I help, but what can I do through the arts? Um, we all will make choices individually about what we will do um, in regards to this uh, issue that's happening, this real thing um, that's happening. But I'm speaking to you as your colleague and saying, what the world needs is art. So what can we do? What can we share? Okay. So like I said, I talk about my dad a lot. And um, this, this episode series reminds me a little bit of him or makes me think about him. This episode series is called Face to Face, Past, Present, and Future. The New York City Arts and Education Roundtable, which runs this annual conference, is celebrating its 25th anniversary, and the organization is looking back to look forward 
for Act 1, we focus on legacy and present. So the past and the present. Talking to today's leaders, some of today's leaders in uh, the arts education field. So first you'll hear a short conversation with Shoba Kabinakudil, who is the co-chair of the Arts and Education Roundtable. She talks about the conference itself and a fundraising effort to support the legacy of the Roundtable's work and the future of arts education in New York City. And then you'll hear a conversation with Justin Daniels from Marquee Studios, which started was started by David Marquis decades ago, um, and he recently passed away. Justin Daniels is the professional development specialist for Marquee Studios, and we discuss leadership, connections, and cross-pollination. Um, please note that the acoustics in City College, where the, the conference took place, uh, are not the most ideal for recording. I did my best with my little device and my one mic, <laughs> um, but there might be some moments that are somewhat challenging to hear. So, please enjoy episode eight, act one, face-to-face, -face, past, present, and future. Uh, Shoba, <laughs> hi. Hi. Can you tell us what your title is? Um, I am one of the co-chairs for the New York City Arts and Education Roundtable. Excellent. And where are we right now? We are celebrating 25 years of the Roundtable. We celebrated the founders of the Roundtable yesterday, which was very exciting. Um, and they sort of led the way um, for this exciting community in New York City. Um, and we are now looking ahead at the next 25 years. Um, and I think part of that is um, the Roundtable being a collective impact and a model for the country and mm. what community can do. So we're also um, fundraising, so we have something called the 25 for 25, mm -hmm. but you don't have to give 25 if you can't. You can give a dollar, you can give 25, you can give 75, or five, anything in between. All you have to do is text the word GIVE to 646-759-9202, and it'll just walk you through the prompts. It's super easy, especially if you have Venmo or PayPal. Perfect. I have just one of those things. I know which one you're <laughs> um, And how long have you been the co-chair? This is my first year. Oh, but you've been a long, a long time member? I've been a long time member. I don't know exactly how long I've been a member. Um, I've been active with the round table, I mean, in a leadership position probably for five years. Um, was a co-chair with you mm -hmm. for the Teaching Artist Affairs Committee and then a co-chair for the Equity and Diversity and Inclusion Task Force. Right. Um, and so I, I remember my first face-to-face -face conference was while we were in grad school. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just curious as somebody who has been coming to this for a long time and then being in a leadership position and now being at, you know, at the top of the leader uh, board, as it were, the leader, the leader of the board and the looking at the vision of where the next 25 years for the roundtable goes. What are you hoping people, participants in this conference, what are you hoping that they gain from these two days? Um, I think this year in particular, I hope they gain a sense of community. I hope that they notice um, the intentionality behind curating the conference mm -hmm. in um, a diversity of sessions, both 
in content as well as facilitators and like art form. Like we did our best to really make it representative of what the field needs to be and the field needs to be representing the children that we serve. Excellent. Well, I hope that you're getting something out of this session, not just having to you know, run around and uh, coordinate, but if you're getting something out of it, um, I think that that's also going to continue to serve, looking at the vision and making sure that conferences like this and the other types of programming that we put together for the year really do push the, the field forward. Mm -hmm. I, I, for one, want to thank you for your service. Thank you very much. Do you have anything else that you want to say? Just keep being inspired. That's it. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. So we're here with Justin Daniels. How are you? I'm happy, relieved, uh, very, very good. I'm feeling good. Excellent. So I'm, I was not in your session, I, so I can't wait to hear all about it. But before we get into you, uh, you and your presentation, I'm curious, um, how many years have you been uh, attending face-to-face, -face, or how many times, I guess? I was just counting this morning. I think it's my seventh face-to-face. -face. Really? Six or seven. I can't remember if I went when I was still in uh, finishing my undergrad. Um, but yeah, it feels, I feel like a stalwart now. Like. <laughs> and, and how many times in those seven, six or seven times, how many times have you actually presented? Zero. So this is your first. Oh, yes. Oh goodness gracious! Excellent. Okay, so Justin, this is um, this podcast really is focusing on the life of teaching artists, the passion of why we do the work that we do in terms of all arts educators. But I, I focus on teaching artists mainly because um, I feel like they're they're they 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 need their due. Pulling out the pulling back the veil and the curtain to be able to sort of see how the the sausage is made, but also to think about or to talk about how we think about the work and how intentional we are about the work. So um, my first question to you, let's go into your presentation. So what did you present and um, what was the vibe in the room? So I presented a, uh, a session called Cultivating the Community, Developing uh, Dynamic Professional Development for Teaching Artists. Um, it was a panel, so I brought in uh, Maya Turner Singh, who was the Director of Professional Development at Marquee, who I have taken over her job since she's moved, uh, along with Regia Finney-Myers from Dream Yard and Patty Chilson from Community Word Project. Um, the idea actually came from Maya. She, right before she left, she said, hey, I've got this idea for a proposal, uh, and so I ran with it and really developed it with her. Um, but it was really fun for me because I'm sort of living, I'm a double agent now, Courtney. I'm um, half teaching artist, half administrator. Uh, and uh, it was a really cool session where I was able to kind of live in both worlds as a teaching artist, now as somebody who works on the administrative th side of things. Um, and it really sort of resulted in a very dynamic conversation. Um, it was a focused conversation, which I loved. Uh, sometimes panels tend to like get veer, <laughs> veer off and you're like, ah, how did we get here? Uh, but it felt really focused. Everybody in the room, um, I'd say it was like 75% ad administrators, 25% teaching artists, were incredibly invested in this conversation because 
and this is just like a big takeaway from this whole um, conference these past two days, but the professionalization of teaching artistry is at the forefront. And um, while the round table has been committed to it, now people are really getting down to like brass tacks. Like people are talking numbers, people are talking budgets, people are talking, what do you pay? How do you pay for this? Um, in which we weren't, I felt like we were talking around it for so many years and now people are like getting down and dirty with it. Um, and uh, so I was able to sort of like harness some of that into the conversation today, which um, was really great. Like it's really nice for administrators to hear um, from another administrator when they ask like, how do you get the money for this? And they're like, you just do. And this is how we did it. Um, so I felt like it was, I think, I hope that people walked away from it with um, like actual specific things that they can implement, which was like my goal. Um, so it felt, it felt really successful to me. Excellent. So, um, what was, what was something that was very tangible that you think people walked away from after being a part of the session? I think the biggest thing um, was the idea that now a lot of organizations are sharing resources. So for instance, Community Word Project started something called the Teaching Artist, um, uh, the cohort, which is like 15 different organizations of like small, medium and large scale uh, who um, have developed like a, a symbiotic relationship with each other where they each of us develop professional development that then we share with any teaching artist from any of these other organizations and so for a lot of people in the room that was kind of mind-blowing for them because they're like we want to give professional development to our teaching artists but right now we're a really small organization we just it, that's like five, you know, that's five years down the line but the idea that they could become part of a greater community and then all of a sudden you have like multiple professional development opportunities for your teaching artists. Um, the next step obviously would be to pay your teaching artists for that, but it's a great first step. So I think that was like a really, a light bulb moment for a lot of people. Um, and then really just the idea that like organizations are creating roles that are specifically on professional development. Like hearing Regia talk about DreamYard and, and how that is like so intrinsic to their mission and that their teaching artists get 40 hours of paid professional development per school year that includes things like self-care because you know like hearing her say we're asking our teaching artists to delve into some really challenging topics with our students and to deal with traumas and we feel like we need to also provide them with opportunities to take care of themselves on a personal level and to get paid for that i was like what <laughs> so was, i i left very inspired from it I'm curious, uh, there was something that you were, you were, well, talking about how organizations will invest in making sure that their teaching artists get professional development in, and that it doesn't have to look one particular way, that it could be about potentially sending their teaching artists to this, this cohort um, with Community Word and the other uh, organizations, or by providing professional development themselves and, and actually making sure that there's money in the budget that people are paid for that time and that training that actually feeds back into the, the quality of their programs. Um, I Earlier today, I was in the Great Hall, um, and there was a, a sort of tribute to David Marquis, and this is where you work. What was it like to be in the hall during that, those 15, 20 minutes? It was incredibly moving. Um, I, I didn't have the opportunity to develop a long-term relationship with David. Um, you know, my first day of this job, which is about six months ago, um, 
<laughs> David sat me down. He said, come to my office, which is just a corner of the room. Uh, and, um, and then he, for, he just immediately opened his heart and shared with me that he was battling uh, cancer. And, um, and it was, it was, it was amazing because David and I share a lot of like amazing connections in terms of like he came uh, he was a pup he was a puppeteer um, my mom was a puppeteer they knew each other um, when I mentioned my mother's name he's like yes of course I knew her we we would like go to the puppetry festivals together they both passed away from the same type of cancer so it's there's this like just on a personal level um, I feel incredibly connected to him and feel his loss just on like multiple levels um, at the same time David was relentless and um, was incredibly tenacious about uh, legacy of the organization. And so he really, you know, the gift of his diagnosis is that he it gave him time to plan. Um, and it gave him about two years to plan. And, and what he did is he set up this whole system. So like, Right when he passed away, a nonprofit support center came in to help us with the transition, and now we have an amazing interim executive director, and then we're on the road, and um, you know, nobody has left. Oftentimes in these situations, people just leave because they feel like, especially with, when it's like the person's name, they're like, well, if he's not here, you know. But his spirit is so alive. It, it, it's, we feel his loss on a personal level, but um, he, he set us up so well that we're, we literally are just able to kind of continue the work. Um, and that's been just like such a gift. And especially somebody who's new to the administrative side of things, um, uh, I am flabbergasted at how we just continue to like, this, all the, the ingredients were there. Um, and now it's just about like, honoring his mission, which, you know, is a great mission. And, um, and luckily his mission like includes a very specific language around um, um, dedication to professional development, which I feel like that helps me with my role. Cause I'm like, this is part of who we are. Um, thank you. Um, first, um, the reason why I was bringing um, this up and I really appreciate you sharing all that detail about your connection with um, David was the fact that at a certain point, um, Barbara Pollard, who is the um, director of special projects um, and, and a friend of mine, um, she had everybody who works for the organization stand up and it was like 20, 25 people. Um, and most of the people were teaching artists. And so just going back to the professional development, that sort of delve De uh, dedication to making sure that teaching artists, a, a large portion of your teaching artists, have the opportunity to be here and, and develop themselves and that they're sponsored to do so, I think is really wonderful. Um, um, so that was number one, was to make that connection. And then number two, um, tell me more about your role. What, um, you know, in terms of that legacy, in terms of pushing the agenda for it and feeling, it seems, that your team is very dedicated to um, the mission of the organization. What do you see for the future of your role in terms of professional development, but for the organization as well? So like back in the day, years ago, we were a 40 year old organization. So, um, and some of our teaching artists are still with us from then, which is amazing. Um, but back in the day, professional development looked like uh, 
all of the teaching artists and all of the staff going to Bear Mountain, which is, you know, this beautiful mountain, like two hours north of New, of New York City, um, buying out the lodge there and spending a weekend creating art together and, um, yeah, like com communal living. <laughs> and uh, which sounds, you know, totally uh, amazing. Um, and that's, that's, what, that's what started. So he, he felt very important, this sort of familial um, atmosphere. And uh, we still call our fall uh, retreat um, Bear Mountain, um, although we have to be very careful to tell our teaching artists that it's not at Bear Mountain. Um, <laughs> but um, so that's sort of like the, the beginnings of it. And what it's developed to now is um, just a commitment to continually um, offer development for our teaching artists. And that looks like, you know, um, uh, our fall and spring retreats. That looks like uh, giving our teaching artists opportunities to visit each other and, and learn from each other. And they're paid for that time so they can go visit um, teaching artists they want to maybe glean more inspiration from in their classrooms. Um, it looks like us doing specialized workshops throughout the year. Um, it also looks like uh, a program called the Teaching Artist Training Institute, which is built into my role, um, which is in its 12th year. And it's a six week program for teaching artists that do not have to be affiliated with Marquee Studios at all. Um, they apply for it, but it's a free program, 100%, um, where they go with, uh, to Staten Island. We get on a bus at like 7.50 a.m. Uh, and visit uh, a really amazing District 75 school, um, PS37 in Staten Island, and they um, observe master teaching artists, they engage in, in PDs, um, and really gain tools to work with um, District 75 populations and, and with a strong emphasis on students with autism um, because David was incredibly committed to um, serving um, all students. And uh, so a huge portion of our program is within District 75. Um, so I get to wear a lot of different hats. I, uh, it's Right now, it's not even a full-time position, so it could be, um, and it may be in the future, but for now, um, I'm a busy, busy person uh, managing 91 teaching artists. So PS37 in Staten Island, we learned today that Carmen Farina, who is the chancellor who's outgoing, um, has the opportunity to uh, name three schools, and one of those schools, this one specifically, PS37, is going to be named for David Marquis, which was really surprising to hear and wonderful to hear, um, and what a... What a testament to, again, his legacy that uh, somebody who's been in education for 50 years and is retiring for the second time could recognize that and had that ability to, to take that uh, to the next level for, uh, for David which, and for the organization. Um, and I just wanted to note that we are being filmed right now by our, our newest member of our Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body podcast team. That's a mouthful. Um, Brandon Hutchinson, who um, took... He was an incredible president. So um, this is a really cool partnership between um, Marquee Studios and New Victory Theater, uh, where um, Courtney re reached out to me and said, hey, uh, would there be space possibly for um, 
Brandon. Uh, and I, it was like the greatest, amazing, um, serendipitous, uh, experience, um, for me. And I, I think for him, I mean, I, I but he was, um, Okay, good. He's not. Okay, good. Good. I'm glad. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really great. And uh, and I love I just I love organizations collaborating with each other. And I feel like since, you know, I <laughs> I work for like multiple organizations and I now I'm, I'm at Marquee. Um, that makes me really happy. You know, I, I want to thank you for it because it was sort of a, hey, is this possible? It was, there was no expectation of it, the answer being yes. And when it um, it was and we sort of figured out what it could look like, um, the fact that Brandon is, is right now in a year-long program with the New Victory as a teaching artist fellow because he's interested in building a career in the arts, um, we, we've gone on a journey together and sort of as he was working with the New Victory artists in a couple different capacities, it was he was realizing it seems that that was more and more what he was looking to do. And so being able to sort of shift gears a little bit from this sort of um, administration uh, path to a teaching artist path with administrative skills in, in, in line, but um, that is a that program, the, ta the teaching artist training, uh, sorry, Institute. I call it Tati, so I always am like, I'm not sure what it stands for. Teaching Artist Training Institute. Is that correct? Yes. Um, having him be able to be a part of that program because that's not a, a type of training that the New Victory does, being able to offer that as an opportunity for somebody who's emerging into the field is, a, uh, um, I think, immeasurable, and, and he's continuing to be able to build on the skills that he's gained from that training program when he's learning at the new victory um, and actually starting to incorporate it because he got his first real gig. Yeah. That's it. The Queen's Theater, yeah, it's happening. So, I mean, I think that's also a, a testament to this field about how we can cross-pollinate and we are about um, uh, supporting um, our artists who are really interested in working with the different communities that we work with and that we can, um, you know, with just the touch of an email, <laughs> a click of a send, um, be able to start to actually affect um, somebody's life and, and, and ultimately have resonance across all the different kinds of communities that we work with. And it just like occurred to me that um, I, I, there's so many, like as teaching artists, uh, if it was long you're in their field, a lot of teaching artists take on more administrative roles. And I feel like now what's happening is like that's actually that sort of creating more cross pollination, I think, because teaching artists are used to juggling. Um, and so I feel like there's just a lot less of the like us and them mentality and it's becoming much more sort of connected. And um, I mean, you know, you started as a teacher, like it's, I just think it's like, um, that informs everything that we do. And I'll always be a teaching artist, regardless of whether I have an administrative role. Um, that's incredibly important for me. Uh, and um, we can all learn from each other. Uh, just to go off that point, that yesterday, um, yesterday I taught at two different universities. Um, and in the second one, um, and both were about teaching artistry. And um, the second class uh, was the class that I'm, I'm permanently working in um, this semester, um, whereas I was subbing in the morning. But um, at NYU, I had a panel of, of, of uh, people who are a combination of artists and, and arts uh, teaching arts and uh, arts administrators. And one of them, I believe it was Christopher, who said, uh, you know, sometimes because I am a full-time 
administrator, but I also get to go out as an administrator and teach in the field. I, I, I feel like I'm this sort of chameleon and I wonder sometimes it, because I lean, you know, 90% of my time is on this administrative land, you know, can I still call myself a teaching artist? And I think that this blended, uh, work, uh, relationship between artists and teaching artists, uh, sorry, artist, teaching artists, um, and slash teaching arts and arts administrator that actually I'm interested in that too, because I've, I've been working for the same organization for almost 15 years and I still think of myself as a teaching artist. Um, and when I am in that mode, like I feel very much like this is why I do this work. So that's how I felt in the morning actually was I'm working with these undergrads as a sub. They are just starting to work in the field and they had a whole bunch of gripes and a whole bunch of worries and a whole bunch of questions. And then we started getting into the work that I was there to do and it all just sort of all that other stuff sort of melted away, but it was good for me to be able to hear all of that because it made me make choices as a teaching artist, even though I was in a professor, you know, lens. Um, but as a teaching artist teaching a workshop and I sort of made adjustments based on the kinds of conversations that came out earlier and they were able to, in the reflection, make connections back to some of those conversations that they were having about working directly and they were all working in school. So they were sort of applying it to a school setting, but and and their big questions. Oh, but that's where I was like, oh, I'm so in flow. I, I this is why I do what all the different things that I do is because this moment, you guys, there was a light bulb that totally went off for them. And then in the in the other course, that same concept of like they are sort of some of them are sort of like, can I do both? Can I both be a TA and um, an arts administrator because I'm actually drawn to both of a or different aspects of both of those roles and I'm I feel good about that yeah. and and yeah I mean there's no the there's just no recipe in teaching artistry uh, <laughs> there's there's no recipe it's not baking it's like throw it you know throw it in um, and I've gotten it wrong you steal it take it um, but I mean, and this year has been like a big figuring it out. Cause I'm like, okay, you know, I, I got a little too much of this. I got a little, not enough of this. Um, so I'm figuring, but I'm every year it's like you're figuring. Cause as your life changes, so does the way, you know, and then like, you also have to create art. I mean, that's the other thing. So it's, um, that's, but I do say, I do feel so strongly that like when I am working with kids, um, of any age, like, I am an artist. I mean, we're, if we're writing a play, we're writing a play. It just so happens to be that I'm doing that with young people. So, um, it, you know, it feeds me. And then, actually, what I've realized is, like, even, like, developing this session felt like creating a work of art. Like, I know that sounds strange, but it was, like, the development of it. it the, the same sort of creative juices were flowing. Um, and I get, I get, like, super enthusiastic about that. Word. Word. Um, so I ask everybody this question to wrap up. I don't ask you. I ask most people this question. Um, What's my favorite curse word? Uh, that can be offline. What's your favorite word? You are a delight. Um, <laughs> um, no. What, what, why teaching artistry? Why teaching artists it's in my blood um, I was raised by a teaching artist 
So uh, I didn't have that term in my brain, but um, it took many, many years later for me to realize that you know I had a puppeteer mom, like I mentioned, and um, who did workshops in schools. So she was a teaching artist. Uh, and so I, I do feel like it's been, it's my destiny as like big as that sounds. It's just, it was sort of in the cards for me. Um, it took me a long time to get there, but um, I've realized now that, you know, when I am, when I am, like you said, in flow, um, and I never, I, I've rarely felt in flow actually as a performer, um, even though I still perform and I love to perform, but there were so many things going on in my head and so many, you know, all the doubts and like the auditions and all that stuff. And, um, but when I am like working with young people and creating something, it's, there's like a purity to that. Um, there's struggles and there's challenges and all those things, but like um, when things happen and you're in, in that creative space and like you see those things going, happening with them, it's, it's just like that perfect feeling. And I haven't been able to recreate that um, in any other professional aspect of my career. Um, so I follow that feeling. Um, and that, that tells me that I'm doing the right thing, that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Justin, you are a delight. I for, I mean, we haven't spent a lot of time together recently, and I, I have forgotten how much I enjoy you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm glad that your first time out the gate in terms of presenting uh, went well. And we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure they will. I'm pretty positive they will. All right. Well, are, are you going to the, the, fun, the fun time? All right. Let's do it. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Episode 8, Act 1 of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Face-to-Face, Past, Present, and Future. Join us next time for Act 2. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. John Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry. Like our page on Facebook. Listen to us on SoundCloud. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. 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 now.